Welcome to another episode of That's a Rap Podcast. I am your co-host, Jay Rosales. Thanks for joining us today. Remember that That's a Rap Podcast is part of Raptors HQ, which is part of the SB Nation Podcast Network. Uh, this is a podcast that's by Raptors fans, for Raptors fans. I am excited. We've got two less than two weeks left in the regular season. Playoffs are around the corner. So without further ado, let me introduce my co-host, Dre. How's it going, buddy? Uh, going really well. Uh, we're currently smashing the Knicks, but what else is new? They're terrible. Uh, Jason, <laughs> how are you doing? Oh, not too bad, man. I mean, I thought we were not going to have anything to talk about. Honestly, I was really worried. But then Jay said, this is the NBA. We're going to have something to talk about. And hell, do we have some stuff to talk about, guys? I can't wait, especially cough, cough, <clears throat> Richard Jefferson and T-Mac. But before we go through that, Jay, what do we have on the docket? Uh, we got a couple of things, actually. We're going to be talking a little bit about... You know, load, we're going to talk about load management because that seems to be the hot topic all season long. Uh, we're going to do some spilling of tea. And for those of you who are new to the pod, when we spill the tea, that means we've got some gossip. We've got some news. So we've got some of that to look forward to. And we're going to go over some of the uh, games of the year, whether it's best, worst. And uh, Jay's got a little surprise for us at the end. Uh, so I'm just going to leave it at that and kick things off with you know, the discussion around this final stretch for the Raptors. And I mean, I'm just wondering now that we are basically, and we've been saying this for a few weeks now, the Raptors are destined to end up in the two spot. Um, despite Milwaukee battling all these injuries and despite them losing random games, like to the Cavs last week, uh, the Raptors are also fumbling a couple games here and there. And we will not go into full detail about that Charlotte game on Sunday, but uh, yeah, the number two spot seems to be a lock. We've still got, you know, even after this game against the Knicks that we are, that's happening tonight, we are recording this on Thursday evening. Um, there still are six more games. And I don't know, what are we really expecting out of the Raptors here? It's uh, it's an interesting question because, you know, you'd expect there to be more load management or just management of everyone's uh, playing time and minutes at this time of the year. However, this also happens to be uh, a rare time in our season where all of the Raptors are actually healthy. Um, knock on wood, actually, because, oh, gee, I don't know, we did miss tonight's game with concussion-like uh, some symptoms, right? So it is a very interesting time. So what do you guys think? Are, do, do we need to see more of the bench or is this finally that chance for Nick Nurse to do his playoff rotations and finally see what it's like for the for, for these guys to get used to actually playing together as a full unit. Uh, Dre, I'm going to throw it over to you first. What do you think, buddy? It's a bit confusing because um, on one hand, it would be nice to see Gasol and Ibaka, uh, whoever, it's interchangeable. Plus, uh, the majority of our players healthy outside of OG, as, as you just brought up. It would be nice to see like this actual potential playoff rotation that we can have. On the other hand, the biggest faux pas that we have currently is our bench, which I think needs a lot of, a lot of work and at least some experimentation as to what we're going to do when problems arise. So I'm not sure what's more important because on the one hand, you'll have a great starting lineup in the playoffs but the bench won't, won't have gotten anywhere. On the other hand, you'll have a more full team if you somehow figure out the bench situation at six games, but you won't have all of the pieces to setting up great starting lineups and being prepared for that front. So 
if I had to pick, um, like I said, I don't think we're going to be able to solve the bench in only six games. It might take throughout the playoffs. So maybe for once, figure out what we could do with this exciting starting lineup. I mean, we have interchangeable players. We don't have a set five that we have to stick to. I think we've got a lot of opportunities here. Plus, we get to see that chemistry that this team gets to bring. Like seeing the last couple of games with Lowry, Kawhi, Siakam, uh, either Gasol or Ibaka, but it's usually been Gasol and Green on on the court. Sorry, at the beginning of each game, just seeing what everybody brings. I mean, it's been exciting. It's been great. So, uh, Jason, what do you think? Uh, I think there's going to be a little bit of both, to be honest. I feel like there should be some sort of management, quote-unquote, for, you know, the the key players, Kawhi, hopefully some Kyle Ress and Gasol and Pascal. I would like to see Pascal also getting some load management as well, just to get some rest getting ready for the playoffs because the scouting report is going to have, or for the opposing scouting report, it's going to have Kawhi and Kyle. But I think the third biggest option for them to defend will be Pascal. And I and I feel like Pascal has to be ready for that spotlight, you know? Uh, it, it, I would like to see Pascal to get little less minutes that he is right now but I mean he's playing so well I, I I don't know if I ever want him to another thing I want to see is more experimentation too and I feel like we're gonna we're seeing that already from Nick Nurse um, from today's game and we saw a little bit of uh, Pascal to five but we also saw Serge and Gasol playing on the same lineup too and I don't know if it's going uh, if it's successful but at the same time at least we're trying we're trying different things so we're probably going to see a little bit more load management with Kawhi I, I would like to see um, some more experiment with either Pascal sitting or Pascal on the five that's that's where I'm going at I'd like to see um uh, to your to both your points, I'd like to see a little bit more experimentation, um, but at the end of the day, I think there should be some sort of a, a minutes cap. I'm, I don't think that we should um, have uh, anyone sit out games. Of course, Kawhi's got his own load management plan, which you know they they've kind of outlined. It's not like a game by game thing. Uh, it sounds like they've got the whole schedule lined up for the rest of the season in terms of what games he's going to sit and whatnot, and that's fine. Again, we're we're locked into the two seed, so it, it's uh, it's not a big concern of mine. Um, but as it pertains to to our lineups, I would like to see um, uh, what the playoff rotation would look like. So, because uh, we still do have a couple of games um, against some. Uh, teams fighting for the playoffs, such as Orlando and Brooklyn and Miami. So during those games, what I'd like to see is at least for the first half, what that playoff rotation would look like. Right, we've got our core four. You know, we've got Lowry and Green, Siakam and Leonard, and depending on who we face, most likely it's going to be um, Ibaka. I would imagine, but it, to me, it doesn't really matter who starts. It's going to be Ibaka and Gasol sharing the minutes. It's really more important on who gets more of those minutes at center and who closes the game in those uh in those uh lineups mm-hmm. um so I, if i were nurse i would treat the first half as your chance to experiment with the playoff rotation and the second half depending on how the games are going just start to manage minutes um uh, maybe you're not doing the exact playoff rotation that you you would normally do maybe you start you know your starters off in the beginning of the third but not necessarily play them all um, after the third quarter, something to that effect. Um, I think that that would, you know, work on the chemistry part while also manage 
everyone's minutes. Yeah, I've been seeing a lot of um, the the rotation going, being cut to like nine or, or or even eight in the playoffs. So I'm thinking there's not going to be much time for uh, McCall. There's not going to be much time for Jeremy Lin. And uh, speaking of OG, yeah, like, you know, concussion protocol is pretty serious. You don't want anything to happen uh, during that time. So I, I, I would like to see some you know, playoff rotations, like you said, Jay. Um, but it's, it's just, it's just funny when, when people keep on saying that, like, you know, what, what's going to happen with Jeremy Lin? Honestly, I don't think he's going to be playing very much. And what's going to happen with McCall? I don't, I don't, I don't see any minutes for that. And it's not going to be like, you know, Dwayne Casey, uh, Raptors of old, where he's going to put five guys in five guys out. And it, I think this is going to be eight to nine rotation for the playoffs. I fully agree that uh, you know we we're definitely not going to see much, if any, of of Lin, um, even if he somehow turned it around. We didn't see it in this next game, but if he turned it around over these last five six games and, and does amazingly, I still don't see him uh, playing much, if any, minutes. Um, Blake Murphy and Eric Corrine recently did um, a breakdown of what they think would be the ideal playoff rotation. Um, and while Lynn was a part of it, he had very few minutes attached to it. It sounds like Norm Powell is kind of the leader to be that, uh, that ninth man. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to quickly reiterate who that eight man group is outside of, uh, the, the six that I had already mentioned earlier, uh, in terms of our core four and the two centers, um, Fred Van Vliet, obviously be the first one off the bench, um, after Ibaka or Gasol. And OG would be our, our eighth man. So really that ninth man is is probably even matchup dependent, right? If we need, you know, a little bit of that feisty defender up front, maybe that's it's Macaw. Um, if we need that third point guard, maybe it is actually Lynn. But again, that's that'll be ten minutes or less. And uh yeah, it'll be definitely be matchup dependent, or even just to throw a different look at a certain opponent, uh, you know, for for small stretches of of, of time. But speaking of opponents, um, you know, we wanted to kind of discuss um, who it is that we, as the Raptors, who would you like to play in the first round? I know this is something that we have discussed in previous episodes, and I'd like to say that we're getting closer to that, especially now that we're into the last five, six games of the season. But in all honesty, it's actually gotten much more jumbled. Um, That miraculous shot by, by Jeremy Lamb kind of opened the door just a little bit more for Charlotte. And now I have no idea who's ending up in the seventh seed because from the sixth spot, which I believe is currently held by the Brooklyn Nets, down to the 10th spot currently held by, I believe it's Charlotte, they're only separated by a game and a half. So anyone can end up in any spot now. And now this opens up the door to... You know, we've we've all kind of had our chance to list opponents we are not too keen on seeing, and I think in our last episode uh, I was mentioning how it's pretty much down to two teams, which was Brooklyn or Miami. Uh, that's not the case anymore. Mm-hmm. So, um, depending based on like what you guys have seen lately on how these teams are playing, and the way the Raptors match up against these various opponents, who is it now? Like, how has it changed? Like, who do you think now you would like to see the Raptors face in the first round? I would like to see the more likely opponent. I I think the most likely opponent is going to be Brooklyn. And I like that matchup mainly because of I want to have the Philadelphia 76ers face the Detroit Pistons. And it's not because I'm afraid about the Dwayne Casey. I'm afraid about that uh, sweep that we had with Detroit. I don't I'm not afraid about that. I think it's it would be a good matchup for us anyways. But I would rather 
have a shootout fest with Brooklyn than a wrestling match with Detroit. The whole point of us going to the conference finals is for the other teams to fight it all out, for them to tire each other out. If Philly plays Detroit, they're going to hurt each other. They are going to go to battle. And whoever comes out uh, that match, they're going to be be wounded. They're going to be tired. And I don't want that for our team. If we face Brooklyn, I think it's going to be a little bit tighter. It's probably going to maybe go to six. I wish it was five. I think it might go to six. But it's not going to be as aggressive as Detroit. So I'm, I honestly would, I'd go with Brooklyn in this case. Yeah, when this was brought up not too long ago, uh, I kind of foresaw for some reason the Magic working their way back in. Um, I didn't want to count them off or count them out of the competition right away. And look at them now. They're an eighth, which could easily change. They could become sixth. They could become 11th. Okay, maybe not 11th, but 10th. But looking at the, the number of teams here, it's Pistons, Nets, Magic, Heat, Hornets. I could safely say that I would want to face the Pistons least because we have not done well with them. I would go with the Magic, because I think we could do really well against them, and I think they could, they could put on quite a show. Gasol versus Vucevic, that's going to be a pretty good matchup right there. Exactly. I'm going to go with Magic. Um, it's probably going to end up being the Nets, which is fine, uh, just as long as it's not the Pistons. And uh, the Heat's also kind of conservative because of their playoff presence. And um, yeah. Nothing. We just played a little bit poorly against the Hornets. That's not a good reflection of our team. But no, no pun intended. That stung a little bit. I don't want to really face them in the playoffs. Uh, let's go with Let's go with Orlando. I think the one team I do not want to face is Miami because I don't want to be that team that knocks out Dwayne Wade's last season. That's what I don't want <laughs> on our conscience. Yeah, let's not do that. <laughs> let's be real, guys. Let's be real. Like there's of all of these five opponents that we've listed. The Raptors will get by all of them. Yes. I think what we're more concerned about is which series would probably is has the possibility of of a taking the longest and b uh, which team could possibly expose us for future opponents. And you know that doesn't change who either of you have said, right? If 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 you both feel that that team is the Pistons. That's fair. Um, I would probably tend to agree with that as well. Mm-hmm. But let's let's kind of level set here. The Raptors are going to get by whoever they face in mm-hmm. the first round. Um, if it happens to be the Pistons, the Raptors will get by them. It's just probably not going to be in four games. Probably not going to be in five games. Um, that's not ideal. But at the end of the day, we will get past who, any of those five teams. Um, I haven't really change my stance on who I think we should face. Um, and I think my last, th- th- my answer previously was Brooklyn. I'm going to stick with that. Um, they are, as Jay pointed out, they are a, one of the, the most prolific three-point shooting teams in the league. But as we all know, in the playoffs, the game slows down to a snail's pace. Uh, you're not going to get as much wide open threes you're not going to get as much three good looks at threes in general if you're a jump shooting team in the playoffs that's not going to work and i think that the nets provide the uh, biggest opportunity uh, for the raptors to sweep and have an easier road uh, and and just be rested while rested for the second round Um, a close second would have been charlotte despite how the game on Sunday went. I mean, that basically was another game where uh, the opponent hit 
almost 23 pointers, right? So, I mean, it's it's one of those things that it's, it's fine in the regular season because we, we haven't really shown all of our cards yet. But Charlotte was a desperate team um, and it showed with that desperate shot. So, I'm, yeah. again, I'm not concerned about who we face. Uh, it's just let's just get through those rounds really quickly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But that's enough about Raptors and playoff talk because we're going to have a lot more of that over the next few weeks. Uh, Jay, oh, I think yeah. we got some some tea we got to spill. Hell yeah, let's spill some tea, boys. All right, boys, so as this tea is spilling, I don't know if you guys heard these remarks from Richard Jefferson and T-Mac while they were arguing with Zach Lowe uh, on the jump with Rachel Nichols, but to preface it, uh, T-Mac and, or okay, we'll start with T-Mac, all right? So he basically said about Pascal Siakam, has he really made an improvement? I mean, he just didn't get the opportunity last year. He didn't get the minutes last year. Are you kidding me, T-Mac, man? I Like, this is... Okay, if I'm going to put a stance up, D'Angelo Russell is great. He is fantastic, and he's basically turned his whole career around, and the Nets around too. He was, what, drafted second overall? He's supposed to be good. And mm-hmm. he was in a really bad situation in L.A. Once he once they let him go, uh, I mean, yeah, you're supposed to turn around, and you're supposed to be known as a franchise player. Pascal... He, he started playing basketball when, you know, eight years ago. That's longer than my relationship with my wife right now, man. Like, that's an crazy amount of time. And you, th- and you think that this is the most improved player. He, he has improved on a team that is winning. And last year, he was on the bench. And this year, he's starting for the third best team in the NBA. And you don't think he's an MIP? Come on, guys. Come on. Uh, well, I think it's just such a a nonsensical statement to have, you know, to say as an excuse, oh, well, he just didn't play the minutes last year. So that you can make that argument about so many players, and it's like you're expecting this guy who wasn't a first-round or, like, you know, one of the top draft picks or anything, that he was just excellent this whole time. We just didn't see it because we didn't play him. I think that's a nonsense statement to make because so much of what Siakam is doing is an adaptation to the game and the fact that Lowry got injured a lot we had to rest Leonard a lot a lot of our games were won or brought back because of Siakam and his Mm -hmm. spin moves and his his core presence his his fundamentals his speed his improvement on threes yeah that was another thing this very podcast was like Man, Siakam's great, but there's one thing he has to improve on at threes. I guess what it's it's as if he listened to us. Like he's done really well with developing his three ball. And you mean to tell me that while D'Angelo Russell is great, while even Paul George somehow got even better, because I know people are talking about him possibly being the first recipient of two MIPs in NBA history. Like, come on, people were debating if this guy was an all-star. This wasn't a second pick from the Lakers that was supposed to be the franchise player, but Magic botched it up, got rid of the dude. Look, he's having a hell of a game as well, but in all fairness, if you're going to make that argument about Siakam, you could literally make it about the dude you are putting on a pedestal. D'Angelo Russell, who was excellent from the get-go, who was misused. You don't think you can make the same argument? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, I think that's insane. Yep. Like, they're both great candidates, and I'm perfectly fine with either or, but biases aside, I think it's got to go to Siakam, but 
you know, if you're going to be like that, like don't make stupid statements like that. <laughs> you know what this screams, man? It, it screams that these analysts get snippets of games of especially Toronto games. They don't know who Pascal Siakam is. We've watched him since like, okay, granted, we don't watch a lot of other NBA teams because this is a Toronto Raptors podcast. We are sometimes we may be biased about Pascal, oh. but I don't feel like Toronto Raptors fans are biased with this situation with Pascal being MIP. I think he deserves it. I think there are enough smart Toronto Raptor fans that know where D'Angelo Russell is, he's really good. I'm not discrediting how good he is and how well he's playing and how well the Nets are playing. They could give us a run for our money in the playoffs, but Pascal is MIP. I, that's that's all I gotta say. That's that's period. Yeah, and just to prove that we're not being biased or anything, it's like we're not trying to fight tooth and nail to say that Kawhi Leonard's MVP. Let's be honest, he's not really in contention anymore, and we know that. But this is a different story because it's realistic. Right, 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 right. You know what helps. Uh... In, in situations like these where, you know, you worry about biases, you worry about, you know what, maybe I haven't watched enough Brooklyn games. Maybe I haven't seen enough Toronto games. Numbers? You know what helps? Numbers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I need a drop. I need a drop for numbers, man. I got to make it. I'm doing so, it. I think if, uh, if if there was one number to me that jumped out the most for Siak, I mean, honestly, great points by both of you in terms of, you know, the improvements that, that Siakam's made. And sure, if you want to chalk that up to us us having access to watching more Raptors games, then fine, go with that. I don't care. Um, but here are some numbers. So um, last year, uh, the percentage of, and if you remember, Pascal was playing on the bench. Yes, he played less minutes, but his usage was much more different than it was this year. Last year, on the bench, and this is probably a product of who he was playing alongside with, 72.3% of his field goals were assisted. That's fine. That's a good number. Whatever. 72%. This year, it's 56. In other words, he is getting his buckets on his own mm-hmm. more than any other NBA player. And that's year-over-year comparison. So that is a huge indicator to me that it's not a product of your team. It's not like, let's use the example of Russell, who went from uh, uh, a team like the Lakers to a different system in, in Brooklyn where he has more opportunity to thrive. So this is why he's not showing up uh, anywhere in, in the top 10 or 20 in this statistical area. Mm-hmm. Um, if we're going to look at usage rate um, among all the top contenders, and I'm thinking of Russell, I'm thinking of Paul George, and Tetacumpo, um Siakam is uh, number one in comparison to those other candidates in terms of his increase in usage rate. Now, that's huge because he's not only gone from bench to starter, which, yes, it affords him more minutes, but he's also playing alongside Kawhi Leonard. Now, last I checked, Kawhi Leonard is a superstar who needs the ball in his hands. Correct? Mm -hmm. I believe so. Mm -hmm. So the fact that Siakam's usage numbers have increased is not because... I mean, it only points to positive improvement. Mm. It only points to the fact that the Raptors, who happen to be, who happen to have the second best record in the NBA, are relying on him even more. So chalk him up as your most improved player. I don't think it should be discussion. Uh, this also puts a dent in, um, if it wasn't already, analysts as former NBA players. I think the percentage is pretty low that most of them are actually good at their jobs and they just got it. <laughs> Because they're former players. I mean, Jalen Rose is pretty good, but whatever T Mac and Jefferson are drinking, I don't want part of it. That's all. 
Well, we know Jefferson's got a vendetta against us anyways. I'm kind of surprised with T-Mac that it's just such a nonsensical statement because I feel like T-Mac's usually a little bit more aware. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I kind of wish I kind of wish we we got the uh, viewpoint of a reputable analyst like Paul Pierce or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Paul uh, Pierce would just be like, "Man, man, is Siakam even a player? I didn't even know that guy was a player. He 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 can't be a part of this. He can't even approve. He ain't even a player. He doesn't now, have it. He doesn't now. have it. He doesn't have it." Well, it's funny. It's funny that we're talking about. Yeah, it's it's it is actually funny that we're talking about D'Angelo Russell because, uh, you know, it's it's his former team that is actually our next news tidbit and that's the lakers uh, uh jay jay what, nice. what do you got on the lakers here what, what's, right. what's going on with them so i don't know about you guys but i don't think luke walton should be fired but all signs point to luke walton not being here for next year so who are the top candidates jason kidd and rick carlisle what do you guys think about that well first of all about luke walton i'm not going to go on record and say he's the greatest coach of all time or anything but I think a good chunk of why the Lakers are struggling is a whole series of reasons. And I think pinning the blame on Luke Walton might not be the best idea, because think about it. Even uh, his second year, he had better numbers than they're showing this year. And he had like a 10, 15 game increase, I believe. It was like a really big increase in amounts of wins that he had with the Lakers, a developing Lakers. I don't think it's really necessary to get rid of him right now again he's not perfect he's not again i wouldn't even argue he's a great coach but i hardly think it's just his fault mm-hmm. and i think he's kind of just being used as a scapegoat uh through all of this having said that um as uh obvious mavericks fan of I, as i've brought it up before rick carlisle he definitely has his ups and his downs i think when he's good he's really good he uh like any coach can obviously make big mistakes I would be interested as a Mavericks fan to see what he could do with a different team. And on that front, I don't know if he's going to bring much more. Seeing has look at how the Mavericks are kind of doing under his, his presence the last couple of years, you know, you can't sometimes, uh, you know, even good coaches can't make miracles out of subpar to mediocre to crappy teams. But, you know, it takes like the best coaches like a Popovich or somebody to to really get the most out of even like the not so great teams. It would be interesting. That doesn't mean that I condone it. It would be interesting. Jason Kidd, after seeing what he did to an actually considerable to great Bucks team that he had in the palm of his hand, I think uh, is an absolute a great player, absolute disservice to a team that's already struggling. I don't think that's a great idea. Um, so if I had my drillers, I would say stick with Walton for now, at least one more year while the team's still figuring it out. You know, they've been plagued by injuries plagued by um, general management decisions, plagued by uh, toxicity in the locker room. Let's uh, give them another year to maybe figure it out. That probably won't happen. But uh, I guess at least Carlisle will be, I don't know if he'll be better for the team, but it'll be an interesting experiment. That's all i got to say about that. Mm-hmm. I think Jason Kidd is going to be like a disaster if he's used, if he's brought on board. The only thing I see compelling about the Jason Kidd signing, if possible, is that I've heard that LeBron wouldn't want to play for anyone else except for a player, not like a coach coach, but like a player coach and uh, someone he respects. And I feel like he does respect Jason Kidd. I mean, he's played with him in Team USA. And um, did he play with him in Team USA? Actually, I need to fact check that. But regardless, Jason Kidd is a legend. He's a Hall of Famer. So I I don't know. I I could see that happening. I think it's just rumors. Um, But yeah, like you said, Dre, I do. I do hope that they bring back Luke Walton. It's not 
Walton's fault, and I see that coaches are scapegoats when teams get are are playing really badly. But like, it's the roster that that they built. It's not the coach in this in this case. Yep, that's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, we all were talking about this before the season started. How uh, the way that this team was constructed was uh, really poor. Um, we joked around about all the knuckleheads that they they brought on board um, in regards to JaVale McGee and Beasley and Rondo and Stevenson. Like it, it was just bound to happen that this team was not going to be successful. It was the exact opposite. On I mean, there was already a blueprint on how you build a successful team around LeBron. You bring in shooters, and they brought absolutely zero. So mm-hmm. that is not Luke Walton's fault. This also is a management team. I'm thinking about Magic Johnson, of course, that never that wasn't around when Luke Walton was hired. So when it's not your guy, that's not a good sign uh, for the coach. Um, and that's really unfortunate because when it's not your guy, then you want to bring in your guy. And uh, unfortunately for Walton, that that puts him in a really he was in a losing battle from the start. A with not being the guy who was hired by my magic, and B you know, having a team that was just destined to do poorly. In regards to who are possible candidates, um, I personally don't like any of them. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I I think, Dre, you were saying it, like Jason Kidd had Yanni and he performed so poorly with him. And look at how much better Buttonholes has been able to do with that talent. So right. having that with alongside... LeBron, I don't, I don't think that would go well. Another, I think two other names have been floating around, and that includes uh, Teron Liu, who um, coached um, LeBron in Cleveland, but he quickly denied that and said, no, no one's ever actually reached out to me. So I don't, that doesn't necessarily mean he's not going to get contacted, but at last checked, he has you know, kind of said that those, those rumors are not true. I've never been contacted for the position. Uh, and second to that is uh, Mark Jackson. His name has been floating around mm-hmm. as well. That'd be interesting. Um, yeah, that would be interesting. I, I don't, I don't have enough of an opinion on Mark Jackson. I just know that the Warriors took off once he left. I don't know if that's a coincidence, but I mean, if I'm going to use that same methodology to cancel out Jason Kidd and Yanni, then I would probably say the same thing with Mark Jackson mm. and Good point. what the Warriors were able to do without him once he left. So, right. um, I don't know who's who is the best choice. I, I think that it's pretty obvious that neither of you have said it, but LeBron as player coach is bound to happen. <laughs> yeah, no. I was thinking that it, while you were saying it facetiously, but it looks like looks like it's happening. Yeah, LeBron James, you, your wishes your wishes coming true. So he's going to be a player coach and GM in in no time. But let's stick with the West. So uh, I'm sure you've seen these this um, injury update already. But uh, this was I, I got um, a text Monday morning with uh, Nurkic injury, and that was let's just say that wasn't the best thing to watch uh, at 6:30 in the morning. That was pretty gruesome. That was. Paul George-esque, that was uh, Gordon Hayward-esque, and you never want to see something like that happen to anybody, honestly. I mean, it didn't even look like... It, it was just an accident. It was a freak injury. So, you know, prayers up to Nurkic. But ultimately, what does that mean for the Blazers? I mean, right now, they're they're third in the Western Conference, and they're if the playoffs started right now, they'd be facing the Clippers, which I think that's actually a pretty good uh, matchup for them. But regardless of whoever they're playing, I just think that... 
without Nurkic and now Siege McCollum is out for at least for the rest of the uh, their road trip. I don't know about the season, but for their road trip, that's going to be a lot of a burden for Lillard. Not not I mean, it's been like that for a long time, and now that you have Nurkic and CJ putting up. Uh, solid numbers, but it's still Lillard's team. I just, I don't know. I don't know. Like talking about Miracic last week, Miracic and Brogdon going down. Like I feel like that's already a lot to lose for the for Milwaukee. But in this case, you have two of your starters, main, like solid contributors on the Blazers. This is it's hard to say how far they can go now. Uh, but yeah, guys, like did you did you watch this? I I kind of hope you didn't. To be honest. <laughs> I, I did see it. I saw the highlight. It was not. I, I'm not going to get. I don't want to get too uh, dramatic. It's pretty gross. It probably was the worst, the worst leg injury I've ever seen. Really sad for Portland. Really sad for Nurkic, obviously. Uh, and hope he has, you know, a Paul George esque kind of recovery. As it pertains to the Trailblazers and their chances, look, they're they're going they're still going to make the playoffs. Obviously, right. Uh, the top eight is pretty much locked up. You know, you kind of hope that McCollum is uh, close to 100%, not 100% by the time the playoffs start. The big thing here is, I mean, if we were to run comparisons to the Raptors, uh, Portland losing Nurkic is like the Raptors losing Siakam. I mean, he's he's there. This is Lillard and McCollum's team. But Nurkic was having an absolutely ridiculous season. Like, I'm not... I'm actually not going to go into the numbers, but just know that, you know, there are a few games that he just, no one has matched him. He had, I think he has the only five by five game of the season. You guys know what the five by five is, right? No, no, explain. Five categories, at least five in each, meaning five points, five rebounds, five assists, five steals and five blocks at least. Uh, I think Draymond Green has achieved that uh, a couple years ago. And, the list is very small. So he achieved a five by five earlier this year, and that's just one game. He has totally come on. He is a, he was a candidate, probably is a candidate for the all defensive team. So that's such a big loss for them. Um, you know, Portland has been hit by the injury bug throughout their franchise history. Mm-hmm. And, and Portland fans don't need to hear another name added to the list of Odin and Bowie and it's just and Brandon Roy, like it's it's not it's not a good list to be a part of. And unfortunately, um, you know the, the the injury was gruesome. The timing of it is always it, whenever someone suffers an injury of this magnitude, the timing is bad. But it's especially bad considering this was probably the year that Portland was going to at least make it over the hump and not just be first round fodder anymore. It especially sucks because this was in like double overtime, if I'm not mistaken, and. It's like if D'Angelo Russell's shot just went in or if something was just a little bit different. You know, this wasn't I like the start of the game. What else can you do? It's just one of those freak things. It's This really does feel like a tempt to fate where it's like, you know, if you're sticking your hand, hand in a fire for long enough, when's it going to burn? When's it going to hurt? You know, obviously you're not playing a dangerous game here, but there are dangers to it. But you know what I mean? Where it's like you're playing so hard. Uh, Try to secure playoff spots. Try to stay in third. Try to stay in sixth if you're the Nets. And really fighting and going at it. And then this happens. It's like, you know, you can play this game of like, what if uh, what if something just went a little bit differently? Because the Trailblazers have reached the playoffs quite a bit in the last 10 years or so. They haven't progressed in the playoffs much at all. 
ever. Like they've just not had a chance. And as you've said, it's like they're also very injury prone. So if there was like one year where they might have been able to, but now you know CJ happened and now this has happened. Even though they're third, I don't know. I don't really foresee them making it out of the first round again, which is unfortunate because uh, as wishy-washy as but they're very exciting to watch. Right. And uh, it's, it's, just, it's just too bad because, uh, you know, this could be one of those instances where uh, Damian Lillard uh, might go down as one of the greatest to have ever played and not get a championship ring. That's what it's basically looking like. And it's not like because his team's letting him down or anything. So much of it is circumstance, and it sucks. Like, it's just really unfortunate. Yeah. Portland is definitely one of those teams that if they were playing in the East, they'd, I'd feel like they'd be top four, at least. I think the only, if there is any positive, any positive to come out of this, I like the I like Portland. They're kind of like Toronto West to me. Um, but I feel like this gives a little less onus on the coach, uh, Terry Stotts, because there was a lot of rumors about him being, if they don't, you know, pass the first round, even like go into the third round, the conference finals, that this experiment with, you know, Lillard and McCollum and their coach, um, something's got to change, kind of like what we did with in Toronto. So with Nurkic going down and with McCollum not very healthy, if per se they do get knocked out in the first round do you fire the coach do you or do you give them another chance because they didn't have their top roster so again i don't i'm not saying like you know any injury is bad i think i, I do hope nurkic does come back and recover and I've, I've never broken a bone knock on wood but i've heard that if you do break a bone that's one of those easier things to recover from instead of like a, of a instead of like a tear or achilles tear or something like that i'm not i'm not really good with any injury uh but i, I do hope that he does come back but all right so let's move on uh let's hear let's hear from our sponsor shall we Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, so after today's blowout versus the Knicks, I don't even know the score. I just feel like we were up by at least 25. But regardless, now we're down to six games. Wow, you nailed it right on the head, actually. Did I? <laughs> 25. Yes. Yep. Awesome. Okay, I, I swear I did not look at the at, at the score. But knowing that we only have six more games left in the series, season, these are the dog days. It's all about uh, seed watchings, who, who are we going to face in the playoffs. But I felt like this was a good time to talk about the worst game of the year and the best game of the year. So I want to ask Ooh. you guys. Well, maybe I can, I'll go first. I'll go first. Let's start off with the worst game of the season for the Toronto Raptors so far. So if I was going to go first, I got to go with that game versus the Spurs. That first game when we went to San Antonio. The first ever triple-double by DeRozan that killed Ooh. us. Uh, I felt like we were not prepared to go into San Antonio with that ruck ruckus crowd. Uh, Kawhi had 21, but no one else really stepped up. I felt like it was it was very emotional, obviously, but 
we wanted to back up our player while everyone else in San Antonio was booing him, right? And no one did. Uh, we Right when the game started, there was an and one from Kawhi. We're like, all right, this is going to be a good game. And then all hell broke loose. So that was a pretty defeating loss. Uh, I would say that was the worst game of the year so far for the Raptors. What do you guys got? For me, uh, first off, I think that's a great uh, selection that you picked. For me, I'm going to go a little bit more recent. Um, the March 11th game against the Cavaliers. I think uh, we underplayed. I think there was a lot of like sloppy, uh, very dirty play, which I think was absolutely unnecessary. So that kind of makes it a, a you know a bit of a bother as well. But regardless of how the Cavaliers played, I mean, we had like 24 personal fouls. We had like almost 10 more turnovers than they had. Uh, we just weren't shooting well. We just did not have a good game. And, you know, the icing on the top was how poorly against us the Cavaliers were playing, you know, the day they found out that they were out of playoff contention as if it was like a, like a, I'll show all of the East teams what we're capable of because, you know, they tried to pull the same stuff with the 76ers and, and et cetera. Mm-hmm. But it was just an embarrassing game to watch it wasn't a fun game to watch because it felt like we were actually you know while not playing well actually being targeted like it, it just sucked it was not a fun game yeah yeah i agree i that was the first uh twitter beef i've i've ever been to <laughs> with with the oh, cavaliers wow. oh, really? yeah yeah we we got a, i got a little heated and i had to put my phone down but yeah i agree i'll go with that one too yeah you know what that's actually um that actually was the same game i was going to refer to uh, in addition to everything that, that Dre has already said, um, that's not the kind of, I don't know, just, just watching that game, it it didn't feel like it was this year's Raptors. That was the kind of letdown game that you would have seen in seasons past. Um, mm-hmm. We hadn't seen that kind of a performance. Usually if we you know play poorly or start poorly, which has happened sometimes this season, especially um well not maybe especially but like there have been games where we started slowly in general and when those games have happened against teams of the cavaliers uh caliber um we typically turn that thing around um and fairly quickly uh and with you know precision and uh you know everything kind of turns out well this was just the opposite and it felt like an old raptors team it just didn't feel like it was us um, in addition, again, in addition to everything that Dre said, which he nailed on the head in terms of the numbers, um, the one part that really bugged me, and this may only be me, is that uh, Malcolm Miller played and he lost. <laughs> the first, I knew you were going to be in his entire NBA uh, career. That's awesome. That sucks. <laughs> uh, according to Blake Murphy, he was about maybe two games shy of the NBA record of most games to start a, start an NBA career without losing. Uh, he was so close. Yeah. I mean, if anything, I put this on nurse. Like, don't put Miller in. <laughs> lost her if you know we're going to lose, <laughs> don't put Miller. <laughs> That's a good one, man. Also, listeners, if you want a drinking game, uh, whenever Jay says numbers, take a shot. That's what I want to start. Um, okay. So. <laughs> Your numbers will be rising. <laughs> all right. So enough with this negativity. Let's talk about some fun stuff. All right. What about your Ooh. top game of the year so far? For me? I'm going to go with the game right after that Spurs loss. 
when we faced Milwaukee in Milwaukee. That was such a good bounce back game. Both Pascal and Kawhi come back with 30 points each going into that ruckus Milwaukee crowd that's very like collegiate. Uh that that's a that's a scary crowd to to be in. And we we got that win. We got that W. That was a really good game. Yeah, we we you know we we lost to them the rest of the times, but at the same time, that was that was a feel good moment. Right after a, a very emotional Spurs game, getting that W was nice. What do you guys got? Damn, that's actually the the game that I went with. Ah, um, nice. Yeah, as you said, uh, <laughs> that's good though. I mean, we're in agreement that, uh, as you said, uh, we had two of the best Raptors, Leonard and Siakam, with thirty. Uh, no Lowry in sight, but you know we we still did it for him without him. Uh, you know, Ibaka and, and Van Vliet had crazy numbers as well, uh, crazy amounts of rebounds. Danny Green also had a very high defensive presence. You know, it seemed like it was going to be one of those games because they were slightly beating us at first, and they were, like, right up our tail, like, the entire game. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just, like, a win. It was, like, a very hard-earned, frightening, yet exciting win. Like, Atatagupo had plus 40 points and like almost 20 freaking rebounds like the guy was a machine let alone brogdon and bledsoe brown uh middleton obviously all having like uh quite a good game as well so it was a hard-earned one it felt good after the two losses we've had especially that big blow we had at the start of the season our first loss actually was that game so it just felt nice and it was like yes not only can we beat them but it was just like, if this is the Easter Conference Finals, it's going to be a hell of a Easter Conference Finals. It's going to be amazing. Well, damn you both. <laughs> I guess I cannot choose the Milwaukee Bucks game. <laughs> but that's okay. I've got a backup. Uh, it's December 12th, actually. Our Probably our most daunting road trip of the season. Um, and we visit Golden State. And guess uh, what? Kawhi is resting. Oh, no. This is not good. You know, two weeks earlier, the Raptors barely hung on in an overtime win over the Warriors. That was with Kawhi. So you figure, you know, this is a road game against the defending champions. And it is the back end of a back-to-back. Ouch. Uh, Not how you want to face the Golden State Warriors. And guess what? We just destroy them from the get-go. And, uh, you know, there is that negative highlight of the the it being the final game of jv's raptor career which is kind of sad but put that aside for a second because this was a statement game for the rest of the nba this was the i mean i don't know if you guys remember but like throughout various websites you check out sports illustrated espn anyone they all started talking about the raptors after that game that was the oh these guys are for real without Kawhi, right? So, um, and in addition to the statement that they made to the rest of the league, they made a statement to Kawhi. Hey, we can do just fine with you sitting on the bench. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that in, we got your back. Mm -hmm. And the way we performed was amazing. And if I could throw in a number... (laughs) The Shots. Raptors, uh, this this victory added to the Raptors' uh, stellar performance against the Pacific Division, uh, a division, again, that has the defending champions, that has an up-and-coming Sacramento team, uh, that has uh, an overachieving Clippers team, uh, a, a LeBron-led Lakers team, a Suns team that has Booker, who can apparently score 50 anytime he wants, 
Um, the Raptors finished 10-0 and 0 against the Pacific Division. Um, so that's not a bad stat to throw out there. Yeah, that's my choice for a game of the year. Jay, that was your nice. backup plan? Yo, I had stuff from Milwaukee, but you guys <laughs> hit them all. That's a, Sorry, it's a solid backup play. That's a good game. I remember that. That was the one that you're right. It it kind of quote unquote put us on the map. I guess that was the one where people started saying, "Oh, yeah, you're right. We, even without Kawhi, the Raptors are good." So that's a good choice, man. Uh, listeners, definitely tweet us your favorite or best and worst Raptors games of the year as the season counts down, man. It's already playoff time, man. Oh, that's crazy. All right. Okay. So like Jay said before, uh, I wanted to throw some quirky questions to you. Have you guys ever heard of that saying, F- Mary kill? Language, Jason. <laughs> I think you got to edit that out. Oh, no. I, yeah, I will. Don't worry. Or maybe I won't. I don't know. But I'm assuming <laughs> that you guys have. So basically the yes, premise absolutely. of the premise of Mary Kill is basically you either going to out of three names, it could be it could be anything, who would you want to who would you want to marry and who would you want to kill out of those three? So I'm going to make this, you know, safe for work and translate that to who would you sign, trade or release? All right. So Ooh. I'm going to I'm going to throw three uh lineups for you, okay? First line who would you rather sign or trade or release out of Norman Powell, Serge Ibaka, or Marcus Gasol? Dre. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Um, uh, <laughs> no, I think you got to go okay. first, Jay. You got to go first. You got to go No, no, I got this. this. I got this. I got this. Uh, this, this, is, this is like... Uh, truth or dare where uh you know it will like you're put you're put on the spot and you're like uh you gotta you gotta pick something and it it doesn't mean much it's not personal you just have to pick something no it's definitely not yeah i'm gonna go with uh keep search keep him on board i think uh, okay so sign a hell of a so science yeah yeah sign search because he he's more improved than we've ever seen him i think he's he's great i would say trade Norman Powell because he's also having quite a hell of a season and I think he's got great value especially in the last uh, number of games that we've had at the end of the season I think he'd be a hot prospect hmm. and uh, I love the guy but release Marcus Hall <laughs> because I see more worth than the other two players currently I'm sorry that's awesome okay so before we move on I do want to preface this is not obviously this is not a um, personal or anything I thought this was just a really fun segment that we could do but if oh, I oh yeah if no I we could, don't want to get rid of anyone no exactly I don't want to I don't want to do any of this to anybody maybe sign on oh them, no but okay if I wanted to go next you know what Dre I had the exact same line I, w- I think Serge is doing so well and it, at this moment he's playing off the bench but that's you know it's, I, I think it's situational um, he's been playing so well throughout the entire season his mid-range has has improved and his decision making has improved too uh, I think at the rate Norm is playing his trade value is enormous right now and I feel like he would we would get something really good uh, for that trade and you know like you said I love the guy Gasol but besides the leadership and I would love that but if, if I to release any of those three i would i'd pick us all all right jay how about you all right i i get to be different hey uh-oh I, so i'm actually gonna sign gasol oh okay. uh, i realize he's 34 and i realize he's on the decline but if i were to look at some 
<clears throat> numbers. <laughs> I think, I think he would actually be uh, the most cost effective. I mean, I think Surge would cost us a lot, right? Uh, hmm. To to keep, and I think that Surge's trade value is actually higher than we could have imagined at this point. So I would trade him. I would release Norm Powell, and that's indicative of you know who I think is. I guess the 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 worst of the three in terms of their like what they bring to the table, um, and, and I guess if I were to add one negative on Serge, uh, are we really sure that he's younger than Gasol? I I don't know. <laughs> he certainly has been in more fights. I could tell you that much. I, I will say that this is obviously <laughs> this is obviously uh, you know. We are, I, I, and I echo about what both of you said. We obviously don't mean this for real. <laughs> uh, I'm currently uh, finishing up uh, the fourth article out of six of the Kawhi staying bracket. And let's just say uh, Surge is, is, is very, very important. Oh, I'm putting, I'm putting money on Surge winning this, winning this bracket for sure. Okay. Line number two. I'm going to go first in this one, but I'm going to ask you guys. Who would you rather sign, trade, or release? Siakam, OG, Fred Van Vliet. Jesus. I, I feel I'm going to get a lot of heat for this, okay? But I'm going to sign OG because I feel like he's Ka- Ka- uh, Kawhi 2.0. I'm going to trade Siakam because if we're talking about trade value, he is sky high right now, and I'm going to release Fred Van Vliet. Yeah, at me. At me, boys. At me. Damn. Damn, Jesus. Uh, well, I guess I can't go with that same answer then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Sansi Akam because I think he's a great starter. I think he's uh, a great person to base the team around if Kawhi were to leave, which he won't. We, we know that by now, right, folks? Uh, I guess. Uh, <laughs> he'd be a great person to base the team around if uh, he wants out or if Lowry wants out. Uh, out of our youngins, he's definitely like the most capable. I would say trade Van Fleet. I think seeing that he's one of the best six men in the league right now and now showing capabilities as a starter, of course, uh, I think you'll have a lot of trade value. If I had to release anybody out of the three, even though I love him and he's dear to our hearts, uh, OG, when he's hot, he's hot. When he's not, he's not. But, you know, if you had to pick one out of the three, that's what I would go with. Hot take. Hot take. Jay, what about you, man? Uh, I am uh, signing Siakam. Uh, I am trading... Uh, OG and I'm releasing Van Vliet. Uh, releasing, releasing Van Vliet is probably the easiest decision of the three because uh, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but point guards are a dime a dozen now, mm. fortunately and unfortunately. So there mm. really isn't any much trade value on that That's front. A fair point. Again, just choosing between the three, right? I mean, for God's sake, we've got Jeremy Lin as our third point guard, right? I mean, that's not too shabby. Actually, that's not that's a bad example. Actually, he's playing like crap lately. <laughs> yeah. Um, moving on to OG, um, and it's it's more to to Jay's point, right? I mean, Masai has already shown that he is just a wizard when it comes to to trades, and he absolutely would sell someone on on OG being the next Kawhi and being up and coming or whatever. Um, I just can't bear to lose Siakam. Um, no. And it's it, it's me being a hypocrite because. You know, I was saying on this pod just two months ago that I would trade him for Anthony Davis. Now, I don't know. Now, I I love the guy so much that, uh, yeah, I would sign him. 
uh again nice. of those three yeah nice yeah that one was that out of all three lines that i have for you guys that one was definitely the hardest one i'm gonna give you the last one we got who would you rather sign trade release out of these three kyle Kawhi, danny oh i don't like this <laughs> i don't like this at all <laughs> however i will say uh and i guess i have to be consistent in in my reasoning here right i mean Kawhi for me, no brainer. He's got to be signed. Yeah, but yeah, I don't know between trading and releasing uh, Danny and Kyle. Right, that means that they're not going to be here anymore. It's that true. brings a it's that true. brings a hypothetical fake tear to my eye. <laughs> uh, but I will say that um, crap, this is tough. I will say trade Danny. Oof. I think he's done enough. He's done enough to um, kind of up his value this year. He was kind of uh, a forgotten name before the season, and now he's going to end the season. At, right now, he's currently number three in the three-point field goal percentage. I think he can get something good back for Danny. Um, and then, yeah, I guess we are releasing Kyle into the wild. I hate everything I just said. Please move on. Please, one of you start um, talking. If it's if it's any consolation, I'm gonna basically mirror everything you just said. Uh, as hard as it is, uh, signing Kawhi because he's the the most capable and talented player we've ever had. I think it's the uh, the highest level of talent we've ever seen, and I would love to see what else he's got. He's got like flashes of MJ in his game. Like, what Ooh. else can you want? The guy's incredible. Trade Danny because I think uh, the league is becoming aware of how capable and. Uh, how much he's worth, especially with his uh, plus-minus rating. He's still in first, I believe. Like, that's nuts uh, that he's leading with uh, the plus-minus ratio. And uh, the guy's great. I would only say to release Kyle for two reasons. First off, because he's very expensive, and I think we can pull off a trade with Danny Moore. Secondly, because, hey, I know a team's going to pick him up, and I know he'll be okay. Who would have want Kyle Lowry, right? Yeah. No, I, I hear you. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of echo your sentiments. I'd sign Kawhi. I would trade Kyle, to be honest. Um, but now thinking yeah. about it, his contract is pretty high. I, I in, in my head while writing this out, I was like, could you imagine if we traded, to, traded Kyle to the Spurs where he wanted to go um, in the first place for DeMar? I don't know if that would happen, <laughs> that'd be but ironic. that'd be kind of funny. And then I would release Danny as much as I don't want to see that ever happen. I feel like Danny would, would be, and he's always wanted to stay too. That would, that would hurt my heart. And I feel like that would hurt a lot of people's heart, but yeah, let us know. Ironically, guys. ironically, if you released, if you released any of those three, all three of them, any of those three on the Spurs, right? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, for sure. That's my, for sure. <laughs> for sure <laughs> but yeah no that was fun um guys uh, listeners i i want you guys to also tweet us what you would who would you rather sign trade or release from those three lines and also give us your worst game of the year so far and your top game of the year so far but uh until next time dre where can i find you brother you can find me on twitter at andreas babs and you could follow my new film editorial review interview website films fatale f-i-l-m-s F-A-T-A-L-E dot com. I'm still accepting suggestions for my On This Day Thursday, where I review old classic films released on that date many years ago. Uh, I just reviewed The Birds, and I believe I'm going to get a lot of flack for it because I didn't say it was perfect. Uh, so 
uh, if you dare, see what I think of your favorites. Uh, Jay, what about you? Did you say get a lot of flack or flock? I, I wasn't sure if you were trying to... <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> there. Well, the flock comes later. If you've seen the birds, I take a while to attack you. But... <laughs> Uh, all right, you guys can catch me on, on Twitter at Rosalisaurus. Um, catch all my my writing on Raptors HQ. Um, as I alluded to earlier, currently working on a Kawhi is staying bracket um, about to be released in the morning. So we're again recording this on Thursday night, uh, sometime Friday morning. We will be releasing part four, which is the Elite Eight. So we are breaking it down to the final four. Very exciting. Um, and make sure you check that out as well. I've got my final article, my final wrap-up article of the season coming out uh, this coming Monday. Uh, I'm not sure what I'm going to do after or what I'm going to write during the playoffs, but be on the lookout for that. Um, and 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 I feel like I'm forgetting something. Uh, I was on the... Uh, sorry, yeah, you... I was on Locked On Raptors on... Monday, I believe. Or was yes. it Sunday? Man, all these days are coming or getting mixed up in my head. Uh, talking with Sean Woodley, of course, to talk about the the Kawhi staying bracket because him and I are, of course, co-writing that. So um, that was fun to be on to kind of talk about how this bracket kind of came to be and you know what it's kind of uh, how it's kind of changed our outlook on Kawhi and uh, yeah, you guys check that out. Um, yeah, that that's me. How about you, Jay? Nice. Um, yeah, before I go on, we're not doing any predictions for the next six games because who cares? We're going to be in second place. But uh, and also, I also want to echo what you guys have been doing. Uh, you guys are phenomenal writers, Jay, with that bracket, with what you guys are doing with Sean. It's it is so funny. It is it's amazing. If you guys haven't checked it out, please do at Raptors HQ. And if you haven't seen, I'm not going to spoil anything, but I just watched us on my on my last weekend. It was so good, and if you guys have already seen it, please, please, please read uh, Andrea's review on Films Patel because it explains a lot, uh, and it made me think throughout the entire night. I couldn't sleep. Thank you, Dre. But but oh, you can fi- you. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at jlone twenty. You can find this pod uh, that's rap pod on Twitter. You can find this podcast on all your podcatchers, Stitchers, Podbean, Google Play, Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a review because we the North. And you can also find us on Raptors HQ. Hopefully next week we may have a special guest. But until next week, that's a wrap. Don't worry, Kawhi Leonard. When Jeremy Lamb got it in, every Raptors fan cheered as well and then said oh shit why did we just cheer don't worry it happens to everyone